Hey there, Mama. Today on the podcast, I actually have a fellow Australian with me, and I'm so excited for that. She is living over in the States, but Dana Kay is joining us today to chat all things food first and natural approach to helping our children with ADHD symptoms. And I'm really excited for this conversation. And even if you don't have a child with ADHD, this helps everyone even myself. So make sure you stick around and listen into this conversation. I'll share a brief bit about Dana. She is a board certified holistic health and nutrition practitioner. She is the CEO and founder of the ADHD Thrive Institute and created the ADHD Thrive Method for Kids program. As a mother of a child with ADHD, she knows firsthand the struggles that come with parenting a neurodiverse child but she also now knows the freedom that is possible once parents learn to reduce the symptoms. Dana's mission is to help families reduce ADHD symptoms naturally so that children with ADHD can thrive at home, school, and in life in general. So let's get into today's conversation with Dana Kay. Hey mama, do you want to balance maintaining your home, cooking, cleaning, all the things you have to do as a stay-at-home mum whilst being present with your family? Do you find yourself up late at night scattered thinking about all the things you didn't get done and so need to do tomorrow? Is your greatest desire for your littles to know and love Jesus? Hey, I'm Elise. When I became a mum, I felt overwhelmed and wished that I could just stay on top of everything. I wanted to be there for my family and yet all these things still had to get done. I was worried that I would spend this time too busy and miss it until I found the secret, partnering with God, even in our home life. In this podcast, you will find tactical tips for homemaking, help for your low-tox journey, as well as biblical parenting so that you will find God's joy and experience his peace in motherhood. Welcome to Wholesome Mama. It's time to go grab your cup of tea, reheat it because you know, and let's get into today's episode. Hey mama, do you wish that there was a way to spend more quality time with your family without the guilt of letting your house or your to-do list go down the drain? I know what it feels like to try and manage the thousand things that you have to do as a mum each day. The cooking, the cleaning, the picking up, doing errands, running around, drop-offs, laundry, groceries, dishes, let alone actually having time for yourself, for your husband, for your kids, or even time to spend with God. So imagine with me for a moment that you have flow in your homemaking. You have flexible systems that worked for you. So you have time to be present and say yes without the guilt when your kids ask to go to the park or for a bike ride. So this is why I'm so excited to announce. I mentioned a few weeks ago, I have a great, I have a very exciting announcement and I am now offering home management audit sessions. And this is where I teach you to create flexible routines for your home to give you back more time in your day, which you can spend playing with your kids and having picnics without mum guilt. So in these sessions, we will identify the areas in your home which are not working for you and your family. And from that, create a flow to take back control of your home and time. So at the end of the session, you'll walk away with one simple action step to turn your biggest stress in your home into a streamlined rhythm as part of your day. 
So if you're ready to finally get that mountain of laundry off the couch so you have room to sit for movie nights, get back ownership of your time, happiness, and not feel like your to-do list is controlling you, then now is your time to make a change because you absolutely can. I've just opened up my calendar for November and December and I have space for six new clients. So make sure you get your session in before they are all gone. You can head to wholesomemama.com slash coaching and let's create flexible home routines so you can finally have that better balance and spend quality time with your family. Dana, thank you so much for being here with us today. Uh, to start off, can you just quickly introduce yourself, share about what you do and how really it all came about? Yeah, definitely. Thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here and I love speaking to other Australians. I don't live in Australia and I do live in the US. So when I when I heard that little accent, uh, I got really excited. So I really, really appreciate that. Um, so yeah, my name's Dana. I'm a board certified holistic health and nutrition practitioner and I work with families all across the world, really, uh, that have kids with ADHD to reduce those symptoms naturally. And, uh, you know, it's, it is such an important topic and there are so many kids out there uh, being diagnosed more and more and more. Uh, and, you know, it's becoming sort of this epidemic, really. Uh, and, you know, the reason that I got into what I'm doing is really because of my own journey, my own uh, my own son. When my son was born, uh, believe it or not, I was actually an accountant in my past life, and so uh, you know, it wasn't really until uh, concerns over my son's health grew uh, did I start to think, well, hold on, maybe something's not right here. And uh, you know, even at the age of two, he. He had he went through his terrible twos and expecting it to finish when he was three and it didn't finish and then to four I was like hold on this doesn't seem right uh, his meltdowns he'd have these mammoth meltdowns every day and they'd last for ages uh, he had so much energy that would seem so much higher than every other child his age and so my gut told me that there was something missing that something was was not right uh, his his teachers in preschool were like don't he's just a boy he'll grow out of it and the, the pediatrician was like don't worry he's just a boy he'll grow out of it uh, but it all really started to catch up uh, with us uh, around the age close to five just under under five years old so four years old and we took and had him have an assessment and he was he was diagnosed with ADHD I think in the US, they do it um, earlier than they do in Australia. Uh, it's a different a different approach uh, than what you do in Australia. But um, he was diagnosed and I was immediately handed a prescription medication. And honestly, uh, you know, between you and me, I was actually like relieved. Uh, I was like, hold on, this isn't my fault. This is, mm. uh, it's, I'm not a bad parent. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't have bad parenting style. Like, you know, you think that you do, you think it's all your fault. And so, uh, you know, and when I went to sort of get that prescription medication filled, I was excited because I was thinking to myself that this was finally going to get us the help that we needed. And, you know, that dream of what it was going to be like to be a parent, um, you know, that was going to come true because it definitely wasn't like that up until that point. And so, uh, you know, at first things were were okay um, until they started to become not okay. 
uh, he, he started to experience some side effects. And so the doctor upped the medication and then uh, the doctor added a second medication and then a third medication. And when he handed me the prescription for the fourth medication to treat the symptoms or the side effects of the other three medications that he was already on, that was when I was like, hold on, wait a minute, you know, this is not okay. And that's when I, you know, my career path completely changed. I sort of dove into all the research and the studies and the journals. I went back to school. I did my holistic health degree, uh, multiple specific certifications in this particular area. And I really learned that ADHD symptoms and not just ADHD, it really relates to so many disorders and illnesses out there, but they can be reduced naturally. And I learned how food can affect so many aspects of our lives. And today my son is 13. He's in he's in middle school. He would be in high school in Australia, but in, in, in America it's middle school, but he would be in high school in Australia. Uh, he hasn't been on medication for years. He's thriving. He's a straight A student. He does have a B right now. He's not very happy about it. But I think, look, the most important thing for me is he's happy and my family is happy and... I don't wake up every morning dreading the day ahead anymore. I don't go to bed at night feeling guilty like I used to. Um, we now have peace and calm in our house, which is all I wanted. And, you know, once I, I learned about this, once I learned the importance of food on behavior, and once I saw the changes food and other natural strategies had on my own family, I really couldn't keep this information to myself. I, I just didn't want anyone to have to go through the struggles that, that my family went through. And, you know, I've been lucky enough uh, over the years to have worked with close to a thousand other families, get to the same place as me, but just so much quicker without so much pain. Wow, that's amazing. Nothing like a mama with fire in her belly to <laughs> for her kids. I love Yes, it. definitely. So you've briefly mentioned um, a couple of the symptoms. Can you just explain what exactly is ADHD and what are some of the other symptoms? So you've mentioned meltdowns, um, extra energy. Can you can you briefly share that with us? Yeah, they're, look, they're, they're, there's a combination of symptoms that can come out uh, and it doesn't have to be all. Uh, it can be a combination of them. Um, things there's, there's two different types of ADHD. There's the inattentive version and then there's the hyperactivity version and then there's actually a combination of both. And so things like, you know, in girls, it's very different most of the time to, to boys. Boys have a lot of these loud symptoms and this is just a generalisation because, uh, you know, uh, girls can be the same as the boys, but boys generally have more of the loud symptoms like the meltdowns and the tantrums, that emotional dysregulation. Uh, it's uh, the hyperactivity bouncing off the walls, loud and obnoxious, those sort of things. With girls, and it can happen again with boys, you know, they might be just daydreaming. And so they a lot of the time they go under the radar because, you know, oh, it's just, it's just daydreaming, thinking about flowers and, you know, tutus and things like that. And so, uh, you know, that that's quite common. A lot of girls get diagnosed later than, than boys do. Uh, you know, other symptoms include things like fidgeting or squirming, talking too much, uh, inattention, like the ability not to focus. They may forget things or lose things. Uh, you know, they have a hard time sort of uh, resisting temptation. So that impulsiveness, they just 
they act before they think, which it should be the other way around. Um, trouble taking turns. And look, a lot of this is is obviously some of it's age appropriate. Some some kids have trouble taking turns. But, you know, if you add in some of the other symptoms and they start to sort of come together, it's like, oh, well, maybe it is it is ADHD. So there, there are a number of symptoms out there, but really that, you know, um, a bit, a lot of it has to do with the frontal lobe, which is things like uh, attention, focus, executive function, planning, organizing, problem solving. Um, and then, you know, then there's the more emotional dysregulation and those louder symptoms. I'd love to get your opinion on something because you said earlier that you know more and more kids are getting diagnosed with and it's becoming a bit of an epidemic. Mm. Um, in Australia, it's now one in 20, which, so I look at my, my boy is in kindy and I look at his class and go, okay, well, there's two, like yeah, not to pinpoint them out, but you know, like, and I feel like when I was growing up, it was certainly not that common. Yes. So I'd love to know your thoughts on um, is is it just the case or is it that it's being overdiagnosed um, or is it that there's like similar symptoms are occurring because of, um, yes, diet, which we're going to get to in a moment, um, but things mm-hmm. like sitting in a classroom for six hours a day, screen time is massive now. Um, environmental toxins that we're exposed to is that I'd love to know your thoughts on on that I love this question thank you so much for asking it because you know uh, it's it it does get asked but it just doesn't get asked in the right circles and uh, I like to sort of um, I like to uh, look at it in terms of the the thousand families that I've worked with about 50 percent of them we focus on reducing inflammation in the body with diet and lifestyle changes and, you know, reducing toxicity and inflammation and 50% of them don't need to go further. Their symptoms go away or reduce so significantly that they're not really an issue for, for, for them anymore. That tells me that probably at least 50% of the world's population are being wrongly diagnosed. So, uh, um, that's just the surface of it. Um, I think that there, why there is such an increase, there's a couple of components and I could go on and on about this, but there are two components to this. One is the gut and one is the toxic load on the body. So let's just start with the toxic load on the body. Um, we're all born with this metaphorical bucket and our goal in life is to keep the load on that bucket low okay and you know some of us can empty our bucket out really easily meaning that we have optimized detoxification pathways whereas others really struggle to empty their body out their bucket out and so when we put this load on this bucket over the years it may be bad food it may be heavy metals it may be environmental toxins it may be um, you know, um, not getting enough exercise by sitting too long at the table at school. All of these things contribute to the load on the bucket. And because they can't effectively empty that load, the bucket gets so full that it all tips out and all the symptoms come out. That inflammation in the body is rife. Okay. And so as we, you know, as we've been going on, you know, the access to bad food has increased, you know, we, we need we need quick food. We need that convenience right now. And so the, the quality of the foods reduced, the quality of the soil that we grow the food in has got worse. 
the the level of genetically modified foods uh the 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 glyphosate or the you know the the pesticides that are sprayed on non-organic food all of that contributes to the load okay some of us may have started with our bucket already with stuff in it you know when we were born my son was um was induced early he had medication straight away he was in the NICU, he had premature lung disease, was given medication all the way through, was on a CPAP machine. So he had stuff in his bucket. You know, later did we find out that, you know, he has genetic mutations in to stop his ability to detoxify properly. So his load on his bucket, bucket you know, got so high till then it started to spill out and, you know, that's where we needed to reduce the inflammation. So that's one side of it. So yes, all of those things that you mentioned definitely are contributing to the, the overdiagnosis because all of that inflammation are driving symptoms. We need to reduce that inflammation in the body to allow symptoms to reduce. Now, the other side of it, it really comes to the gut. And, you know, and I've got American statistics here, but it, it pretty much applies same to Australia, a little bit less in Australia, I think, you know, we have a lot of uh, more fresher food in Australia. Uh, we also have a lot more food regulations in terms of food dyes and use of certain things in foods where it's, it's less strict in the US. But it's estimated that 54% of American children have been diagnosed with a chronic illness in 2018. And I mean, that, that in itself is, is dramatic, okay? But that figure was only 15% a few years before that, okay? So like you look from 15% to 54, that's huge. That's a massive jump. You know, one in two kids have anxiety, asthma, type 1, type 2 diabetes, epilepsy, cystic fibrosis, heart problems, allergic conditions, learning disabilities, hyperactivity, one in five have allergies, one in six have developmental delays. This is in the US, one in six have developmental delays and one in 68 have autism, which has now just been refined to, I think it's like one in 42 now have autism. But why is it, why is the rise occurring so rapidly? And the answer is simple that in my opinion, it all begins in the gut because 80% of the body's entire immune system is within the gut walls, along with billions of nerve cells and an extensive amount of beneficial gut bacteria. So all of our children's health and our own health, everybody's health basically is quite literally connected to everything that occurs in the gut. And with modern medicine, always, you know, improving, I don't know if improving is the right word, but what, you know, evolving is probably a better word, you know, the more antibiotics are being uh, prescribed, more medicines are being prescribed because we're trying to treat symptoms. Antibiotics work by killing the bacteria or stop it from growing in the gut, which makes sense. But what most people don't realize is it actually can't distinguish between the good and the bad bacteria. And so that means that it can wreak havoc on the gut's healthy bacteria. And people actually suffer lasting changes to their gut flora as a result of taking antibiotics. You know, so a large percentage of our kids have been on multiple rounds of antibiotics. My son was, my son, I can't even count the number of, of um, antibiotics he was on. And that in turn is compromising the gut. And when the gut is compromised, there's not a huge surprise that those disorders and illnesses are on the rise because 80% of the body's entire immune system is in the gut. So, uh, you know, modern medicine is involving but that modern medicine is also doing damage to the gut we've mm. got a couple of different factors here that are all contributing to these large increases 
in disease and neurobehavioral disorders and basically any illness that you can you could come against the the evolve the evolution in the medicine is great because you can really help people in an acute state i'm not totally against medication but like we just can't be like handing it out like candies because it is actually doing damage and it's causing more issues yeah we really need to have a kind of a helicopter holistic view of of everything especially of health um yes you know and then I am absolutely with you there is a time and a place for antibiotics when my daughter was mm-hmm. in the hospital dying she needed them and I yes. was you go for it um and my son he's now five and he had his first ever round of antibiotics um because of a horrendous ear infection we just couldn't deal with and um the pharmacist was absolutely shocked that he had gotten to five and not had a round of antibiotics and I was mm-hmm. like I I was feeling like a failure for get like having to get go down the antibiotic mm-hmm. path um and then and then to be met with that response I was like okay no I'm actually yeah, I'm okay yeah, he did get oh, look- five Yes, that's amazing. It is amazing. I mean, I, I think from 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 the age of zero to five, my son would have had like, what, like 20 rounds of antibiotics or something. But now, like, I mean, since probably the age of six, he's had none and he's now 13. And my other son hasn't had any probably since he was like 18 months old and he's now almost nine. And so, uh, you know, I really, the only, for me, the major issue with just those types of light illnesses um, when strep's involved. And we don't talk about strep a lot in Australia. It's not a big thing that's discussed. Um, it's a, a certain type of throat infection. Um, but when strep's involved, like there can be complications from that. That's one thing that I say as soon as that's diagnosed, get onto antibiotics. But at the same time, let's do some gut protection mm-hmm. while you're on the antibiotics so we don't fall into this problem of what's going to happen to the gut. Yeah, yeah. And how long it how long it takes to to rework that so yes I completely agree so let's let's talk about this food first approach so you advocate for families with a child Um, really I think it goes beyond ADHD and that's what we're kind of focusing on today Mm -hmm. but you know all those chronic conditions like eczema asthma all those responses um, I feel like this is going to help families with and I feel like everyone just in general. Um, so can you share with us what you mean by a food first approach? Yeah, look, um, you're so right in saying that this is not just ADHD. This is everything. Um, and uh, we have, you know, families that go through our program and then the whole family does it. And like the the changes in the parents are amazing. Um, I just got off the phone with someone and the dad dad had gone through the program and he's like, so funny my son the other day uh said to me like dad like you literally used to like sleep all the time and like now like it's afternoon time and you're always awake like what's going on you know what I mean like it's just such a random thing but it's got so much energy back because his body's functioning better uh that was a complete side note but food first for me, you know, when, when kids are diagnosed with ADHD, the first course of treatment that most doctors suggest is medication. And many of them don't even tell parents that altering the diet can significantly reduce ADHD symptoms. And this is exactly what happened with my son. 
And so, uh, you know, uh, for, for my son, medication didn't help him, food did. And, and that's why I recommend a food first approach to all of the families that I work with. I'm not against medication, as I said, but it shouldn't be the first course mm. of action. Now, when food can sometimes be even more effective and with no side effects to worry about. I mean, it's just food. It's literally just food. So if parents want to reduce ADHD symptoms and exercise symptoms and asthma symptoms and all of this other stuff in their children or themselves, they need to do something much more than just give a pill uh, or a supplement even. Supplements can be really, really effective. So can medication. But if children continue to eat processed inflammatory foods uh, like gluten, dairy, and soy in particular, uh, those ADHD symptoms are not going to go away because the foods they are eating are exacerbating the symptoms. They're contributing to the inflammation that are driving the symptoms. So food first for me means that rather than trying to find a magic pill that's going to fix a child, we clean up their diet instead. And in doing this, we reduce inflammation and then the symptoms start to reduce because we are getting to the bottom of what's causing them in the first place. You know, I like, I like to think of it like this. When you're building a house, a solid foundation isn't op optional. It's a necessity. You know, if you don't have that solid foundation, that house is not going to be very strong. And it's the same way with our body. Diet is our foundation. And if our diet is poor, we can never function at our best. So rather than giving that pill, you know, it should be prescribed to, to try the diet first, food first. Yeah. And I'm always advocating that we try the natural first. We try mm -hmm. the what is what is natural let's try that first before then if we have to go down the path then we know that we have done everything yeah um so what are some of the worst foods for children with ADHD to be eating you mentioned a couple um yeah. why why those foods to cut yeah. out so look you know I, I did mention gluten dairy and soy and and that's because these three foods are the top three cult that drive inflammation in the body. They're highly inflammatory. Uh, they can lead to an immune response, but they can also lead to something called leaky gut, uh, which will affect obviously the gut-brain connection, which I'll talk about shortly. Uh, I, along with those, I usually recommend families of children with ADHD avoid artificial flavors, colors, and preservatives, and also refined sugars, uh, really focusing on natural sugars instead, like honey, maple syrup, and dates. Uh, and also reduce the amount of sugar quantity. Like, I mean, if you're going to eat natural sugar, it's still bad for you if you're having like loads and loads and loads. But at the same time, kids will be kids. So we, we have to make sure that they're not going without. And that's very much that balanced approach that I do teach. And so, you know, those substances are so highly inflammatory in the body. And I think gluten is probably the number one one that I recommend everyone cut out. Like even you and me, no one should be eating it. Uh, plain and simple, it's just harmful for everyone. And that's because there is research to show that it triggers intestinal permeability in everyone. Uh, and intestinal permeability refers to the breakdown of the intestinal walls in the gut. And so when functioning properly, the walls of the intestine, they form this barrier and allow water and, and nutrients to pass through, but also blocking other bad things from entering the bloodstream. So when an, a person has this in, increased intestinal permeability, that can lead to leaky gut, which basically means the tight junctions in the gut are, that are supposed to control what passes through the lining 
of the intestines, they're not doing their job very well. Now they're allowing those bad things like toxins, like, you know, medications, harmful substances, heavy metals to enter the bloodstream and they're not supposed to be there. And when something toxic enters the bloodstream, the body tries to fight them off and tries to get rid of them. And so uh, what it does, the body triggers this inflammatory response as the body seeks to rectify the issue. So gluten leads to increased intestinal permeability, which leads to leaky gut, which leads to inflammation, which leads to symptoms. You know, it's just like when I was talking about the bucket, uh, you know, once the load on the bucket starts to go, all of that falls out, it creates all of this inflammation and that's when you start to get symptoms and the symptoms can be so far and wide Obviously, when it relates to ADHD, it can be that inattention, it can be that hyperactivity, it can be that emotional dysregulation. When it's related to other things, it can be eczema, it can be stomach aches, it can be chronic running noses, anger issues, wheezing, so much, you know. And so by cutting out gluten, parents of children with ADHD are removing that one food that significantly contributes to inflammation in their body. And so when you do that with those other things, it's amazing what can happen. Uh, you know, ADHD symptoms can diminish significantly and sometimes disappear completely because you're actually allowing the gut to repair. So. Yeah, so that's that's a really good uh, practical place to start too because um, I'm sure that you've had a array of parents who go, okay, we'll do everything at once and then some go like, I want to do it slow because this is a lot. Um, so... So cutting out gluten and just going, okay, we'll just do just do that for for a few two weeks or something, and then yeah. okay, now let's cut out dairy too, and now yeah. let's look. I, I, you're you're right. I, I do uh, um, always. Uh, I, that's exactly. I mean, what I did when I first started, I removed gluten, dairy, soy, artificial flavors, artificial colors, and forty food sensitivities that we identified in a food sensitivity panel on day one. Wow. Let's just say I had multiple panic attacks. I it did not go well. Um, that is definitely not what I teach uh, in my program. I always tell families that Rome wasn't built in a day. Mm. You know, transforming your family's diet won't be complete in a day either. You know, if it takes six months, that's okay. You know, it's it's not a race. It's it's a marathon and it's okay to take it slowly. It's okay to take one step at a time and you need to work at a pace that's doable for your family. Mm. Yeah, and that's different for everyone. You need to give yourself permission to take things slow because it's not a diet it's not a phase it's a permanent lifestyle change and when it becomes part of your life it becomes second nature and then changes don't seem as hard or as overwhelming yeah that's so so true so what are the what are some of the foods then that um we we should eat more of what are the yeah. things we should be putting into our diet in place yeah, that's a, a great follow-on question because it's definitely not uh, just about what to take out of the diet. It's definitely about what to put back in. That's that's just as important. You know, you can't replace uh, packaged goods with gluten-free packaged goods. It's not going to get you to where you go. Gluten-free, dairy-free is not necessarily healthy. It can be just as bad. So, you know, as far as what to eat, uh, my best tip is to focus on whole, nutritious, fresh fruits and veggies, grass-fed animal proteins such as meat, poultry, seafood, eggs, but also plenty of healthy fats, things like avocado oil, coconut oil, olive oils. Uh, you want to avoid those like bad oils like sunflower oil and vegetable oils because uh, that can create inflammation in the body as well. 
You also want to be drinking plenty of spring water. So you're avoiding harmful chemicals that are in some waters, but also water helps detox the body and, and remove the toxins that are already there. Uh, I, I, you know, surprised by the number of families that, you know, give their children juice. Like it's like a staple. They have like multiple glasses of juice per day, the amount of sugar in that, but also it fills up the body. So they're not hungry for the other stuff. And also what it does is you're not getting the goodness from the actual fruit itself. The fiber is what you need in order to help that gut and help in order to help the body. And so uh, um, drinking juice is definite, like a, a, a treat I, I like to sort of say when buying ingredients, my rule of thumb is to avoid in packaged goods is to avoid anything that you don't know what it is that you can't pronounce um, and really like to get the shortest list as possible of ingredients, you know, five, six. Um, and if you can eat it, if you can pronounce it, your body can take it. Yeah, that is, that's what I say too. If you can pronounce it uh, and no numbers, that's my, yes. that's my personal if there's a number on there, it goes back on the shelf. Bye-bye. <laughs> yes. So what what are some of the biggest challenges when it comes to changing diet? And what's your real encouragement for families who, who want to go down this path? Yeah, look, I think the biggest thing is, you know, take it slow. Um, don't try to do everything at once. Um, small, slow steps, but there are, there are a number of different things. Picky eating is huge. And I would say about 70% of the families that I work with have a picky eater. Uh, and I'm sure there's many listeners out there that are, uh, yeah, <laughs> are going, there is no way I can get my kid to eat any of the stuff that you mentioned. Uh, I had a family whose kid ate five foods when they came to me. They'd already been through a year of feeding therapy and play therapy and with no success. Now that kid were, uh, eats over 250 different foods. Uh, she's now a member of my team. 80% of, um, of my team have been through my program with their kids because once you learn this, you need to shout it from the rooftops. Um, so that, so you don't need to worry. Like I've dealt with the worst picky eaters. It's not hard. Um, there are lots of tips. We don't have enough time to talk about it. But the first thing I will say is check your zinc level because zinc deficiency can contribute to picky eating as well. So that's a big tip for families listening today. Other tips we don't have time for. Um, the other thing, you know, things like birthday parties and restaurants. How do, how do you deal with that when you're going to birthday parties, school events, extended family functions? Uh, the best thing to do is always call ahead, see what they're serving. Uh, and, you know, many times, you know, a slight modification can make something gluten, dairy and soy free. Uh, but also, you know, the key is preparation. Uh, when when my families, um, you know, are starting out, I typically recommend they just take some time on the front end to do some research on the restaurants their family loves ring, look at the menu and prep ahead to see what you would order when you want to go there. Uh, for birthday parties, the same thing, call ahead. When my son's going to a birthday party, I always have gluten, dairy and soy fruit cupcakes and cookies and all sorts of treats in my freezer. So when he goes, he literally just grabs one and takes a, takes with him. He actually prefers that than what they actually serve. Um, and for school parties, I always send a bag of approved treats at the beginning of the year for my son's teacher to keep on hand. Uh, then when there's a party on at the school, he just chooses a treat from his bag. I know in Australia, there's different rules about what you can bring to school. It's not as strict here in the US. And so maybe you're not even allowed to bring some of the treats and candy to school like they do here in the US. 
but that's all right. <laughs> yeah, which is good. I'm so, I mean, really, I do not even get me started. That is a topic for another day. I could go on about that one for an hour or probably 10 hours. <laughs> yeah, and we'll have to have another um, conversation another day yeah. about eating because my my daughter is that person. She is. We're getting there, but anyway. Um, well, I can share a whole, all of these <laughs> strategies on that for sure. <laughs> So thank you so much, Donna, for coming on. Can you just quickly share where the listeners can uh, learn more about you, get your book, get in contact and, um, and even go through your program with you? Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, so I, I have released a book uh, about six months ago now. It was an international bestseller. So I was super happy about that. It's called um, uh, Thriving with ADHD. It's a guide to naturally reducing ADHD symptoms in your in your child. Uh, you can get it on Amazon, really, you know, in Australia, in the US, on Amazon. Uh, if they want to find me online, they can find me at adhdthriveinstitute.com um, i'm on instagram facebook and it's all at adhd thrive institute awesome thank you well thank you so much it's been a pleasure to chat with you a pleasure to have a conversation with another australian accent <laughs> yes i love it thank you so much i really enjoyed it today well, that wraps up another episode and I pray that you were blessed by today's conversation and really got something out of it for you to take into your motherhood this week. If you did get something out of today's episode, please subscribe, leave a review so I know that you're loving the show. You can also come and chat on Instagram. The handle is at Wholesome Mama. And don't forget, we have a Facebook community too with mums just like you who are in the trenches of mothering littles. So come and join us over there as well. The link for everything is always in the show notes. Have a beautiful week, mum. Be blessed and I will be with you next week.